that teaches you how to take a long-term view on investing by better understanding what's happening in the market now. Thank you, Samantha Bailey, our Director of Marketing. Good afternoon, 7investors, and welcome to the Wednesday edition of 7investing Now. My name is Daniel Brooks-Klein, but you can call me Dan. My friends call me Dan. I'm joined today by Simon Erickson and Steve Symington. But before we do anything, I'm going to turn it over to Simon to share some big news. After that, we're going to talk more about the big Pfizer vaccine news this week and drill in on what it actually means. Simon, the floor is yours. Dan, thank you very much. There are a lot of things at 7investing I'm very proud of, including that new intro we just showed right there. But I think that the thing that I am the most proud about is the team that we put together here. Because working together with such brilliant, um, ambitious, and smart people that are a lot of fun really makes this job a pleasure. And on that note, I have some very exciting news today that we are expanding our seven investing team. Uh, we have hired a seventh lead advisor with seven investing, and I'm very excited to announce that that person is Manisha Sammy. So very first and foremost, Manisha, welcome to the seven investing team. <laughs> Yay! Well, thank you so much for such an amazing intro, uh, Simon. I am so excited to be part of the Seven Investing team. Um, you know, it's only been maybe a couple of days, and uh, it's such a brilliant team. So, a big shoes to Bell. And Manisha, we are so excited to have you here as well. And I know you most recently, I've been a fan of your work for actually several years now, but I know you mostly as a genomics analyst at ARK Invest in New York City, but you have a very expansive resume as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your professional background to get started here? Sure. So I was born a self-identified science nerd. Um, so I started working at Stanford Stem Cell Research Labs in high school, continued throughout uh, college at Stanford, majored in um, science, technology, and society with a concentration in biotech and life sciences. Uh, while I was there, I uh, did a lot of stints uh, working in the ER, the ed tech department, um, working in a cardiovascular oncology lab, uh, and then also did um, a lot of clinical research at Sloan, Can uh, Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Um, went into management consulting for uh, so clients uh, in marketing and financial services. And then, as you mentioned, Simon, um, ended up at ARC, uh, where I was their lead uh, genomics analyst. Yeah, absolutely, Manisha. And, you know, we've seen that your track record has consistently outperformed the S&P 500, outperformed the NASDAQ. You said genomics. I know that that's a space that you're very familiar with. Uh, what types of companies? Well, actually, let me step back. Your first recommendation will be coming out with Seven Investing on December 1st. That's when we publish our new recommendations. Anybody who subscribes will get access to see Manisha's very, very first pick and all picks going forward. But can you tell us a little bit about Maybe not that specific company, because that's that's reserved for subscribers. But what types of companies are you actually interested in investing in? Sure. So I look at next generation uh, platform genomics companies and technology enablers of the genomic revolution. So looking at immunotherapies um, such as CAR-T or um, mRNA-based uh, uh, technologies, looking at the diagnostic space, um, and also gene editing uh, CRISPR technology, for example, has always been fascinating to me. So uh, stay tuned uh, for the December 1st reveal. 
Looking forward to seeing that one, Manisha. And just one more question before we get to the rest of the show. You said that you describe yourself as a science nerd. That's going to put you in great company here with the Seven Investing Team. Uh, but something else I found out about, you speak five languages and also have a professional dance background. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well? Sure. Um, so I started dancing when I was five uh, in Tahitian and hip hop and then lyrical and jazz um, and then competed um, for a bit. I stopped after college because then I had to you know, work and actually not do fun things. Uh, and then <laughs> the languages. Uh, so I was born in Fiji. So uh, there's Hindi, Fijian, uh, a little bit of Telugu, uh, Spanish, I'm fluent in, and then uh, French. Well, thanks very much, Manisha. You were seeing the congratulations come in on the sidebar from all of the comments of people watching. Thank you for all of those. Um, for anyone who's watching this, I would just like to, to pass along. Manisha is brilliant. She is three steps ahead of anyone else out there and what's going on in next generation genomics and healthcare. She is identifying the trends that are changing the future of healthcare out there. Manisha, I speak for everybody on 7investing when I say welcome to the team. Well, thank you so much. I am so excited to start working with all of you. Um, I can already tell that this is a great cohesive team that you built. So very Absolutely. Exciting. And Dan, I'll hand it back to you for the rest of our Seven Investing Now show. Apparently our dance team just got better as well. We have all sorts of, no, just kidding, Manisha. We are so excited to have you. This was a good team before. Now it is a team I will put up against anybody, but let's get to our show. We're going to start talking about the Pfizer vaccine, talking about what's going on in the world. It kind of isn't what the market is saying. Then we're going to go to what we're watching. Each of Steve, Simon, Manisha, they each picked a story. We're going to talk about that. After that, we're going to hit our finisher, but we've got something special that's going to come after that. Today is Veterans Day, and I actually interviewed the two veterans on our team, Austin Lieberman uh, and Matt Cochran, uh, and I, I interviewed them last night, even though I said it was happening on Veterans Day. I was completely confused on the day, uh, and they're going to talk about what they didn't learn while they were in the service about investing and what they wish people would learn, and of course, we're going to thank them for their fabulous service, but guys, let's get to the story of the day. That story is, of course, that Pfizer has a vaccine that's proven over 90% effective. That sent the markets, I use the word, a flutter with so-called <laughs> stay-at-home stocks taking a beating and stocks that involve being able to go out freely jumping. I find this a little bit preposterous, but Manisha, can you dig in a little on the science here? This is really good news, but I can't get a vaccine today, right? Like, it's it's going to take a while. Oh, absolutely. Um First of all, uh, this this is the interim result, so they still have to finalize and finish uh, the clinical trial. Um, and something that's important to also think about is, right now these are volunteers, and you have to think about scaling and actually distributing uh, vaccines all over the world. So if people are buying cruise uh, ship tickets already, then you know they're definitely doing it way too quickly. Um, I'd say at the earliest, a clinical trial will be fully done maybe middle of 2021 um and you prop so then you need fda approval that takes anywhere between three to six months um and then even if that's ex expedited uh you actually have to make these vaccines at scale and everyone has to get them um and kind of lastly the biggest thing is it's a two-dose vaccine system so you know one person can you know go get their first dose but within a month they can actually contract um, uh, COVID-19. And if they don't go back and have the second dose complete, they're still uh, not immune to the virus. 
So Manisha, let me throw out, uh, Pfizer has said that they're going to apply for emergency certification, and they have about 100 million doses, uh, not all of which will go to the US, some will go to their, their partner mm-hmm. in Germany. Uh, but what does that mean? Is, is that going to rush it to healthcare providers or other really at-risk people? It's more like uh, it's on the government on the government side. You'll see that that will be a priority review. So any other company that is putting in their application, they're in the back burner. Um, this is considered the first uh, priority. Great guys, let me throw this to Simon. So we've talked a lot about like the stock market and what's happening. And one of the things I urge people to do is don't make any move based on a vaccine or what's happening now. Look at the company, and if a vaccine is eventually going to be good for it. Well, that's a nice thing, but don't price that into where you are today. But Simon, do you think companies like Zoom and Teladoc will actually be hurt by a return to normal? And I don't even know what normal is anymore. Yeah, that's right. And those are two different companies uh, there, Dan. But, you know, to address the Zoom side of this, I think that they're not going to be hurt, but I think it's going to be very difficult to maintain this momentum that they're going through right now. I mean, Zoom increased its customer base by 458% over last year. As you just see a lot of people flooding onto Zoom that didn't have any other option of how to do their business. And so for if you have knowledge-based work, if you're a consultant, if you're in IT, if you're doing something from Nest, yeah, your boss is probably okay with you keeping your Zoom subscription. And again, these are subscription-based licenses. Uh, Zoom is getting paid based on the number of people on its platform, whether they use it 10 hours a day or they use it one time an entire month, it doesn't matter. And so I think that a lot of these jobs will be staying. But then if you've got other jobs, like I've got some people in my family that are in construction, they hate Zoom. They don't really know how to use the mute button. They don't really like signing in. All of those things that we laugh about, as soon as they can get rid of this and go back to meeting the foreman to talk about the jobs in person, they'll probably be doing that. And so I think we've got kind of this balance with we've seen this incredible growth. We've seen a lot of new customers joining those work from home platforms. Um, I think that that is going to be difficult to maintain. The new question is going to be how many additional services like cloud recording space, upsell of the pro licenses, that expansion rate at these platforms, that's going to be the the counterbalance to losing users year over year next year. Yeah, and I've said this before, as Simon cut out a little bit there, sorry if I stepped on you, but you might not use Zoom as much. You're still gonna pay for it. That Peloton you have in your living room, maybe it won't be how you exercise seven days a week, but it's still gonna be something you pay for and something you exercise on. A lot of you are watching the show. A lot of you have kind things to say about Manisha. We really, really appreciate that. I'm gonna close this out asking Steve. Steve, let's talk about the other side of the question. a vaccine is good news for companies like Disney and the major cruise lines. I'll point out, I'm going to Epcot on on Saturday. So Disney has stayed open. They have mass protocols in place, uh, touchless delivery with your food. They've done a really good job, in my opinion. Going to be a bigger hurdle to get people onto a cruise. Uh, but even that is starting to ramp up. But struggling companies like movie theaters and Dave and & Buster's, they're not out of the woods yet. And frankly, they might never get out of the woods. Steve, your thoughts there? Right. So absolutely, you know, great news for cruise lines. Uh, I'll admittedly uh, say that I don't watch them as closely. Uh, I was never quite as interested, but as the economy reopens, great news for them. Uh, Disney is more interesting to me. You know, they've taken the opportunity, uh, perhaps more because the pandemic kind of forced their hand to double down on their streaming service. Uh, Last month, they announced that uh, there was going to be a big reorg and uh, their primary focus going forward would be streaming. That doesn't mean, obviously, that they'll ignore the rest of their businesses, the theme parks and consumer goods and such. But management has insisted that this isn't so much a response 
a response to COVID, but more an acceleration of their previous timeline when it comes to streaming. So yeah, and, and uh, Steve, Steve, let me jump in there. It's actually their content that was reorg, so it doesn't really affect the theme parks at all. Sure. It's basically they're going to produce the best content possible, and then marketing is going to decide whether it goes to Disney Plus or theaters or ABC yeah. or ESPN or another network. So it's it's really something that was put in the works by Bob Iger when he brought everybody on board to work on Disney Plus. We're really every department had to sacrifice some revenue to get that done. Sorry to step on your toes there. No, uh, absolutely not. And really, uh, this should see their their streaming services really get a, a push to not only sustain uh, decent revenue growth, but push towards sustained profitability. And, uh, you know, again, uh, moving away from Disney, I'll, I'll agree on the flip side that there's work to be done for, you know, restaurant chains that were struggling before the pandemic and, uh, you know, other businesses that were that were not necessarily great investments, something I might not have considered buying before the pandemic. Uh, that doesn't, you know, there's a lot of work to be done now, even more so. And uh, it makes some kind of uh, scary investments for me uh, at this this point in time. Yeah, it's been seven months and nothing has changed about whether I'm going to go eat at Applebee's or not. Like after after this is over, like still not going to do that. So he, here's the long range lesson here. Here's the investment lesson. The vaccine is potentially very good news about us getting back to closer to normal. But for now, it doesn't really change anything. It, it just gives us sort of, yeah, there'll be an end to this. You know, there'd also be an end to this if we just did what we were supposed to and put our masks on. But I recognize that's getting a little too close to politics, so I'm going to move on. Guys, this program is brought to you by 7investing. At 7investing, you pay us $17 a month. We give you our 7 best stock picks. Each one of us makes a pick. No more team picks. Now each one of us makes a pick. But Simon, that's not all there is. We have one member who just got eight months for free. How did that happen? It's from uh, the referral program, Dan, which is something I, I wanted to talk a little bit about because we don't spend a whole lot of time advertising this, but everyone that subscribes to 7investing is automatically um, able to refer 7investing to their friends and family. Everyone has a custom link you can access under my account and the dashboard there. And the reason I wanted to highlight this is because if you share that link and somebody signs up, it gets them $10 off of their first order. It also gets you a free month in the future of 7investing for everyone who signs up with no cap on this. And so the fun story is just last night, got a message from one of our subscribers says, Hey, Simon, you know, I shared out my link on Twitter. Your team retweeted that for us. You helped me out by getting some more attention on that. And within 24 hours, I had eight free months of seven investing. He says, am I putting you guys out of business? Is this something <laughs> that I should be worried about? I feel like I'm stealing from you guys. And I responded, no, this is exactly what we want to do. We don't want to go out there and flood the internet with a whole bunch of marketing. We prefer to keep this more organic where people are telling their friends and family about how much they enjoy seven investing. So, so thank you to that member. Thank you to anybody who uses our referral program. Uh, this is a kind of a hidden benefit. I think a lot of people don't really know about Dan. Yeah. Alfredo Reyes just called us the best kept secret. We don't want to be a secret. Tell people <laughs> about seven investing. Now this is a free program that airs Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon. It also replays on YouTube. It replays all over our Twitter. If you want to find what we're doing, follow us at seven investing on Twitter. But guys, it is now time for what we're watching. This is a segment where each of the panelists on the show pick something they'd like to talk about. Simon, you're going to kick this off. You wanted to look at digital and e-commerce in developing countries. Why don't you share what you're looking at? 
Uh, this is such an interesting space for investors because we all know Amazon and the dominance that they have in the United States, Dan. But you know, you and I were talking last week. Am- on the show. Amazon? I'm not. No, just small, just, small company. Might have heard of at time or two. Just kidding. We take it for granted, though, right? It's a developed market in the United States, and the rest of the world is beginning to embrace digital payments and e-commerce platforms. And I, you know, we were talking about Ant Financial last week, Dan. Alibaba's, uh, you know, e-commerce arm, which is making um, loans and getting small businesses in China up on an e-commerce platform. That's an IPO that got pulled by Chinese regulators because there was some friction about whether or not they're on the same page with things like that. So regulatory risk and a huge market for something like that. My colleague, Matt Cochran, and I were talking about e-commerce in India and digital payments in India, where there's a lot of small mom and pop shops that are now using cell phones to make transactions. What is that going to look like uh, over the next 10 years as India embraces digital payments? And then even other developing uh, countries and continents, Africa, Southeast Asia, there's a huge opportunity uh, that is still untapped because we don't yet have the infrastructure in a lot of those areas to do things that are simple here in the United States, like two-day shipping from Amazon Prime. But is this a multi-trillion dollar industry potential? Yes, it is. And so this is a sector that I'm really looking at right now. It's something that's on my radar is who is going to win uh, the world's transition to cell phones and then smartphones and then digital payments and then e-commerce. And Simon, making it clear that none of these are recommendations or picks, who are some of the players? You mentioned Alibaba, but obviously China is a more developed market uh, than, than some of like some of the African countries. How risky are these? And sort of who are the ones on your radar? Again, this is not advice to buy a stock. It's not. And you know, we always talk about the biggest companies. We always talk about the Amazons, the Alibabas, the, the, the winner take most in these. But there's a whole ecosystem that supports these as well, Dan. And so I'm glad you bring up China. You know, one company that's been on my radar for years, a company called Bowsen that probably nobody's heard of or not that many people uh, that are investors have heard of. It's a small cap company that enables kind of the logistical infrastructure of saying, okay, I want to sell something. I need it to be warehoused and then inventoried and then sent to this end user who's actually buying it. And so it's got a platform that does all that stuff. And this is a company that's a six bagger up 500% in just the last five years. And so that kind of shows you, you know, if you get kind of behind the first layer of the most well-known companies out there and these regional e-commerce platforms that are building, there's a whole ecosystem that I think is very fascinating and could be incredible long-term investments. And Simon, this is something we're going to hit regularly. It's something we're going to write about for members only and talk about, and maybe it'll be one of our picks, not not that particular stock, but maybe something in this space. Let's move on, Manisha. You're, you're first time up, so, so don't want to make you nervous here, but <laughs> we're seeing a lot of advancements in genetics testing. Uh, you want to talk about a few companies. I know that I'm getting inundated with mail, like test your genetics, see what's wrong with your your gut, see you know what food you should be avoiding, whatever, whatever it is. I see a lot of it out there, but this is heavily on your radar. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? Sure, so what has got me even more excited this year is that we're seeing a lot of M&A and we're seeing incumbents in genetic testing being a little more afraid because they're seeing uh, more competition from some of these smaller companies. So by smaller companies, I'm talking about exact sciences, Invites of the world, um, and pack bio for DNA sequencing, the incumbent now being uh, Illumina. I mean, at one point they had over 95% of all DNA sequence uh, base pairs uh, in the world. And now what we have seen, uh, and this is after a few other acquisitions that Invite made, um, they originally divested in a company that they spun out 
uh, GRAIL, which is for early detection uh, cancer uh, using liquid biopsy, uh, which is an interesting technology. But then they bought it back at a 33% premium. And that definitely let investors thinking, what's going on? And what, and what you're seeing is that Invita used to be a customer of uh, Illumina, and they're moving over, partnering and installing more uh, sequencers from PacBio. And they also, um, they've, this year alone, they've made a minimum of uh, basic, I think five to six um, acquisitions. Uh, they just uh, recently closed their uh, last um, acquisition. And it's because there's the competition is brewing and it's an exciting space. That's where the value is in treating healthcare. So Manisha, let me, let me tout us a little bit here and say something. This is one of those areas where as much as I'd want to follow it as an individual investor, I'm kind of flying blind because you, you could read an earnings report, you can listen to an earnings call, and you're not necessarily going to understand the shading the way you might on, say, like technology or retail or some other spaces. This is an area where it's really important that we have you, that we have Max Chatsko, that we can have people that sort of separate the real story into the science, into sort of what the prospects are. Uh, but would you consider this still like somewhat risky investing or are there some stable players in the space? So I think the riskiest space is still in therapeutics. Um, but if you can understand kind of the esoteric nature of these journals, you are able to kind of suss out, uh, okay, these are non-binary therapeutics companies. These are legitimate platforms that are spewing out legitimate uh, therapeutic candidates. So some of those I consider safe. Um, I think an average investor might consider it higher risk. Um, it's just really how much you're willing to kind of read and learn about the science. Um, in terms of the diagnostic side, um, I think what's happening there is there are more mature companies, but because of uh, technological advances in AI, smaller companies are disintermediating some of these uh, companies. So I wouldn't say necessarily it's risky. There's room for multiple winners and definitely there'll be some losers. You're watching Seven Investing Now. I'm Dan Klein. We appreciate all of you being here. Please ask us questions in the chat. We are we are still getting this down. A lot of thank yous. Uh, a lot of people really excited about Manisha. Steve, you're going to talk about Lemonade earnings. Why don't you remind everyone what Lemonade does? And also, I want apologies that I made a really good Lemonade joke in our Slack and nobody reacted to it. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, so Lemonade is uh, recently public insure tech, and uh, right now they um, they're they're focused on renters insurance, homeowners insurance, and pet insurance. So uh, it's a really interesting business. They kind of harness artificial intelligence and a mostly almost completely digital experience, and uh, you know they they heavily slant toward younger consumers. It's been a really interesting business, but they released earnings, uh, and shares are down about 6.5% right now, but that's sort of contrary to what they actually reported. So uh, their results were far better than today's decline really indicates, uh, and there's a lot to cover here, but I'll try and make it fast and easy to understand. They actually beat expectations pretty handily. Wall Street was looking for a loss of $0.64 cents per share, revenue $14.7 million. Uh, their revenue actually came in at 17.8 million and their loss narrowed to 57 cents per share. Q4 guidance was also well above expectations. Uh, so what's going on here? One thing we really need to keep in mind is that in late September, they announced an expiration of their early lockup period for about a third of their restricted shares. That expiration is one business day after they release Q3 results. So we could see uh, some of the selling pressure right now could be because of the lockup expiration. Um, 
But the other thing to keep in mind is you're going to see some headlines that say revenue actually fell on a year over year basis. And technically that's true, but it's not a comparable figure because uh, just a few months ago, they actually changed to a proportional reinsurance model. Uh, that was at the end of June that excludes any seeded premiums from their top line. So that helps gross margin, but reduces reported <laughs> revenue. So uh, there's really nothing different as far as the fundamentals of the business went. Uh, and when you actually look at their growth, uh, the metrics that matter, uh, Enforce premium almost doubled to 188.9 million, 67% uh, increase in customers to just over 941,000, 19% growth in premiums per customer, um, really just healthy uh, results. And uh, I guess when you yeah, look Steve, at Yeah, Steve, go ahead. Steve, let, let me jump in and cut you off here. Like this is yeah. one of those areas where right now the market's just just crazy like it's so what's happening in results doesn't translate but generally historically if the results are good the stock eventually catches up to that but i want yeah. to before we, we end this segment i want to ask you one last question they're launching life insurance they're mm -hmm. also expanding into france this company has an enormous amount of room for expansion is that fair right. to say yeah, that that's uh, geographically they're very focused on just a few small geographies in the United States still, uh, but you know they have licenses in Europe. They're expanding uh, in France, and yes, like you said, life insurance is one of those key announcements. In the next ninety days, they'll be introducing a life insurance product. There's also expectations down the road that they may do auto insurance. Uh, really, really um, massive potential for growth, and I think you know any weakness here. Uh, on this lockup expiration, uh, maybe we consider using that as an opportunity to open or add to a position. Uh, I, I might jump in on this one too, actually. And and a comment here from Alfredo Reyes. Thank you, Alfredo, for saying, Dan, the best podcaster host in the business. I 100% agree with that statement. <laughs> I, I definitely agree you're the best in the business. Um, but you're also a lead advisor of 7investing, Dan. You always give us a great opportunity to talk about the stories we're watching. Uh, you've got one on your radar that, that you've been watching in the retail industry, I believe related to Target and Ulta, correct? Yeah. I, so I woke up yesterday and it was the most I'd ever wished i wish we had a show because target and ulta beauty have partnered and what they're going to do is they're going to open hundreds they haven't given an exact number of thousand square foot ultra stores within a target and if you look at brands that enhance each other this makes target a classier place and target has already become a classier place with its disney partnership the revamped targets uh, have beautiful liquor stores with craft beer and wine and they're really well done they have their magnolia their chip and, and joe Gaines partnership so these are just two brands that make the most sense uh you know with each other and for ulta this means that in some places where maybe it didn't make sense to take a standalone store they can get exposure they can get customers a lot of their business moves online once they've had initial exposure to a customer. You know, you go in, you get your makeup check, you get your, and then you can just reorder and buy. This is going to drive people to Target. It's going to drive customers to Ulta. These are two brands that I am really happy to see working together. Simon, we're having a lot of people that are getting late to the show and they're, they're asking, why don't you one more time introduce Manisha and just sort of, uh, you know, explain. We, we, we now have seven investors and that's the name of the company. We're not going to aid investing. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself, Dan. You know, our team at Seven Investing, our mission is to empower you to invest in your future. And what we do is we provide our seven best stock market ideas every single month for $17 a month, 
or $170 a year. So you're actually, by my math, getting two months free if you sign up for the annual option. But we're really excited to announce right now that we've added our seventh advisor. It's Manisha Sammy. She's really in tune with what's going on in healthcare, in genomics, uh, in a lot of the, just the, the gene sequencing and kind of all the cool things in the future of healthcare right now. I'm super excited to have her on the team. Her first recommendation is going to be coming out with our published uh, picks on December 1st. So stay tuned. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about Manisha, this show replays uh, immediately after we're done. It's available on YouTube. It'll be on the at Seven Investing uh, Twitter page. And does this mean Manisha will only recommend biotech companies? We can recommend whatever we want. I, I will point out that I tend to be a retail travel tech person, uh, and and I've teased it. I'm gonna be picking a speculative stock next month, something that is way out of my normal wheelhouse. So there are no rules. We're allowed to follow whatever research we'd like to follow. Um, and Simon gives us the freedom. Every month we have a meeting where we pitch to each other. And at that meeting, which we make available to members, they can watch that meeting after the fact, we push back and we say, hey, well, what about this? What about that? And in theory, Simon might ask me something and I go, oh my God, I'm wrong. Like, well, let me change my pick and come back to you. That hasn't happened, but it could. <laughs> yeah. But guys, we're going to hit our finisher. That's the closing segment of the show, but we're not actually closing the show. After this segment, Sam Bailey is going to play an interview I did last night. I say I opened by saying it's Veterans Day. I was confused on the date, but that said, with our two veterans, with, uh, with Matt Cochran, with Austin Lieberman, it's about 13 minutes long. It's worth watching whether you're a veteran or whether you're not. It is a really interesting interview. And to all the veterans watching, thank you for your service. It is very appreciated. Sam Bailey, let's hit the finisher. Which work-from-home stock will per perform the best in a post-vaccine world? 23.3% said Zoom, a little over 50% said Teladoc, 9.8% said Slack, and 16.5% said Okta. Boy, do I not like using Okta. Makes everything confusing. Um, <laughs> I'll throw it to, to Steve first. I actually think the, uh, the answer here is going to be Slack, though, I, I, I just feel how we communicate has changed, but all of these companies are going to do well. Steve, your thoughts? I think they'll all fare fine. Uh, but in this case, I think the majority uh, got it right. I think Teladoc is one business that thrives regardless. And I think some, uh, some um, healthcare uh, trends have been accelerated to their benefit uh, over the pandemic. And I think they'll only continue to, to maintain. So I'm going to say Teladoc here. Yeah, nobody's eager to go back to waiting in a doctor's waiting room, though I am pretty far behind on Highlights Magazine. Uh, Manisha, your thoughts here? I have to also agree with uh, Steve here. Um, <laughs> I've, I've used Teladoc. It's amazing. I don't want to go to a physical doctor's office anymore. That, uh, I agree with that as well. Simon, you can have the last word here before we play our interview. Uh, well, first and foremost is uh, all subscribers are invited to our subscriber call next Friday, the 20th. We'll be sending an invitation next week where we can actually talk about the actual seven investing recommendations. If you want to throw topics or questions our way, we, we invite you to, to bring those to the team and also talk about each uh, with each other. But Dan, to this question, I will be in the minority. I'm going to vote Slack, which it looked like only 9% of the respondents said, um, because we said what's, what's going to be the best performing stock. And uh, I think that out of the four that are named there, that's, that's my favorite of the group. Joe Perla says, providing subscribers with the videos of each of your advisors' monthly picks is an awesome feature. Love it. Yeah, and Simon, I think one of the things we could do with that is we provide them as a big, long group, but now that there's seven of us, maybe we could also provide them individually so it's a little bit less to dream. 
almost all of our content uh, that's on the free side is also available on our podcast channel. And eventually, it's going to be available all as video and audio, even for our members. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up. But with that, I sat down last night with Austin Lieberman and Matt Cochran, our two veterans, and I interviewed them about sort of what everyone needs to know about investing that the military and that business isn't teaching them. Sam Bailey, if you want to hit that interview. We're taping this on Veterans Day as two members of the seven investing team are veterans, Matt Cochran and Austin Lieberman. First of all, thank you for your service. And second, I wanted to give them a chance to share some advice uh, for their fellow veterans and active duty personnel, some financial advice they wish they would learn. And of course, this applies to people because not many companies outside the military do a lot of financial training. But first, Matt, why don't you share your military background with the uh, seven investing audience? Sure. And, and thanks, Dan, for, for doing this. Uh, I was in the United States Navy from basically 1996 to the end of 2002. Uh, I mostly served on the nation, Naval Computer and Telecommunication Station on Guam for two years. And then I was on the USS Carter Hall uh, for the rest of my uh, service out of Norfolk. And I was an electronics technician, worked on communications equipment. Wow. Austin Lieberman, what, uh, you're, you're actually still in the military, in the reserve, but why don't you tell, about, tell us about your service? Yeah. Um, thanks, Dan. And thanks, Matt, for your service and your family's service and commitment. And that's, and that's one thing I always like to do when I see, um, you know, veterans is, is thank their family. And I appreciate it a lot when, when people think to thank my family, because as much as um, veterans, you know, sacrifice and stuff, really their families are the ones that uh, miss them on birthdays and stuff like that. It's kind of easy when, when you're, I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier when you're missing things because you're in training or, or deployed or something like that. It's really hard for for family members back home. Um, yeah, so my history, I graduated from the University of Central Florida in 2011, did Reserve Officer Training Corps, and that's just kind of a way you could do some military training and then commission as an officer if you're not smart enough to go to one of the academies, which I wasn't. Um, so I, I started my military career in 2011, was active duty all the way until 2018, at which point we were ready to kind of spend more time together as a family. And I tra transitioned into the Air National Guard. And then my career, I was a tactical air control party officer, uh, otherwise known as what's called an air liaison officer. And we basically um, help coordinate close air support for the Air Force with uh, all of the other um, services in, in the United States, as well as our international partners. Well, those of us on the team who are not veterans absolutely appreciate it. And uh, that's great advice. I will remember to thank military families when I come across them. Matt, is it fair to say that the military did not do a lot in terms of training you to invest, to save your money, to plan for your future? Well, in my case, it's been a while, so let's start there. But <laughs> I, I don't remember specifically any education. Now, that that being said, let me let me say this. Like when I uh, got out, there was a, a transition assistance program. Uh, I believe they called it uh, TAP or TARP. And it was like a great class I went to that was like a week long. And uh, it told me, it, it told, it instructed people like how to like, just do simple things like how, how to prepare a resume and how to like do a job interview and just things like that. And a lot of people that I was served with didn't do that when they were getting out. So there are programs like in the military that not, maybe not everyone takes advantage of. However, to my knowledge, to my recollection, uh, no, as far as like investing money or 
how to be uh, just like financial tips, even basic classes like budgeting. I don't remember any kind of instruction or education on that. It's also worth noting that in college, there's very little resume building or how to interview for job training. It's something I found as someone who's been doing hiring, that's not there. And in terms of finance, we know it's not taught at all. Austin, was your experience similar? Yeah, pretty pretty similar to Matt. And we, we served at you know different time periods, right? And really not a whole lot has changed. I mean, same thing with common education, right? In the United States, not a whole lot has changed in terms of getting any type of formalized financial education. And, and part of me thinks like, maybe that's because of, I don't know, not wanting the liability that might be associated with it or whatever. One thing that that has, I think, changed even just over my short career, which is nine years now, individuals are more willing to talk about finance and investing um, you know, in, in these most recent years than earlier on in my career. So I think we're making progress, Dan. So Matt, you've been out for a while, but obviously you have friends who are veterans and, you know, you certainly know people in the service. Do you find that they're open to investing because maybe they didn't have that 401k exposure that people had in traditional jobs? Uh, And I know I'm asking kind of a dumb question because veterans is a very, very big group. Well, yeah, I I think that's uh, the big point I I would say. It's like there are more than 17 million veterans in the U.S. and that represents a wide demographic that encompasses all ages and wealth classes, uh, you know, race, it's go, go down the line, gender, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so the, for a large part, you know, they're, they're mostly going to reflect the American population, I would imagine. Uh, you know, the average age that Americans start saving for retirement is 31 years old. And um, now the thing I would say, if that's true for veterans, they're missing out on a unique opportunity. Um, you know, many, uh, when people go to, graduate high school, they go to college, and, and many people rack up a lot of college debt uh, while they're at college. And if you join the service, uh, you have a chance to take advantage of the GI Bill and officer programs like Austin to basically get through college. Meaning you can basically, like I did, like I graduated college without any debt at all. Um, and so you can start saving for retirement a lot earlier than the average person because you don't have that like huge tens of thousands of dollars in college debt uh, like uh you know, at, the, at, a, at a similar age. And, um, you know, while on active duty, veterans, they certainly make a low salary, but they also have like little expenses, like things like food and housing and things like that. There are, well, in my case, I was single and like that was just provided for. I lived on base. I could go to the galley to eat. Unfortunately, when I was in, I didn't do any of those things. And I came <laughs> out with like, like hardly any savings at all. But there's, there was an opportunity to, and many, many times uh, when I got serious about saving and investing uh, in my 30s, I really regretted how I did not do that uh, while I was in the service and then immediately after the service too. Yeah, that's an important lesson we talk about all the time. You can't go back in time. So the best day to start saving is now. The best day to start saving for your kids and teaching them to save, that's today. Austin, I've got a silly question and then a little bit of a follow-up to Matt's. Do you outrank Matt? Uh, I yeah, don't well, know. I'm enlisted. I, I'm enlisted. I don't know. We've never talked about uh, t- Technically, I guess so. Uh, I never ever looked at it that way. <laughs> My view is always. Uh, nor nor I, have I. I. Yeah. I'm just bringing it up for future meetings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My my view, though, is always that I, I worked for the people that um, I was responsible for leading. Uh, I always looked at it as, I still look at it. I work for them. They don't, they don't work for me. Um, 
Just, just my take on it. So to get back on track here, awesome. yeah. <laughs> are, are, are there separate special investing uh, properties or, or tools for active military or veterans? Yeah. And, you know, this is a, a good question, Dan, and an important topic. So while you're active duty and still even people like me, I'm in the Air National Guard or somebody in the reserves, you have access to what's called the thrift savings plan. And there's some details that we won't get into just kind of the time of the show, but there's basically a match program now, which kind of you put a percent of your military pay in and then the military matches up to a certain percent, which is very similar to kind of workplace 401ks out in the corporate world, which is a really cool advantage that the military didn't use to offer. And so those options, some of them are, you know, very aligned with options that you would have if you weren't in the military. And so, um, it's called the TSP, the thrift savings plan. And there's a bunch of different ones, but, but really not giving personal investing advice here. The one that I was focused on while I was, while I was active duty was the C fund. And what the C fund is, is it's basically just investing in the S and P 500 or basically the largest, most stable 500 public companies in the United States. And over time, you know, those go up and down, but over time they tend to do very well. They average about 8% a year. And if, you know, somebody say somebody was retiring this year in 2000 or in 2021, if they would have invested in the S and P 500 or basically the C fund and started in uh, 2001. So over 20 years and just put $10,000 in, and this is very simplistic that would have grown just put it in when you first started and left it there. A lot of people don't have that much, but this is just a very simple scenario. Um, normally people would invest over time, but still $10,000 in 2001, never touching it, never looking at it, just leaving it uh, would be worth $33,000 today. And that's, that's pretty good for, for not having to do anything with that money and just letting it grow. Um, and there's life cycle funds too, which adjust when you get closer to retirement. Take a look at the C fund. If you're thinking, you might look at a life cycle fund um, for the date that you would consider retiring. And that just gets a little less risky as you get closer to retirement. But really the C fund is just fine. That actually segs into our next question, our final question really well. And I'll throw it out to any of the uh, active duty military, any veterans. If you want to get in touch with us, obviously we have two guys on the team that share your experience. Info at 7investing, that's the number 7investing.com or hit us up on Twitter. We're all on Twitter, easy to find, at 7investing. Again, that's the number 7investing. Share the question. We'll make sure it gets to the right person. But Austin, one of your Twitter fans, and I'm not going to share his name, but he's active duty he's former military he's a little bit older close to retirement and he asks should i be worried about stocks correcting if i am focused on long-term investing and the answer is kind of yes and no if he at his age group your thoughts there austin then matt I'll, i'll let you have the last word yeah so this is this is an important one and you know dan um the military people military personnel have some really unique advantages. So I know this person well, I worked with them and he's amazing. Um, he is at, he's done more than 20 years. So he's going to get paid every month for the rest of his life. It's a percentage of what he made on active duty. And that's just how the pension works. So if you are in a scenario where you don't need the money within five years and slash, or you have a pension, you're going to get paid the rest of your life and you don't really need that money then the answer is no, don't, don't worry about uh, the market pulling back. That happens. It's natural. The best thing you can do, Dan, just like you said at the beginning of the show, 
the best time to invest is now and then just invest regularly each month. If you need money in the next three to five years, don't have that money invested in the market. Otherwise, don't worry about you know the market crashing or correcting. And Matt, what about the person who doesn't have a pension? Maybe was only in for one term, served a few years, or a person who was never in the military and there aren't a lot of pensions anymore. What should that person be doing as they're getting closer and closer to retirement? Start saving. I mean, the best time to start saving is, is five years ago. The second best time is today, right? Or something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll also th throw in that you want to adjust your holdings to reflect when you're going to need the money. So if you're going to have to start taking, let's say it's 4% of the value of your portfolio, you want to make sure that's in more stable things. You know, In some cases, you are going to convert to cash. We can't give specific advice, but you do want to plan for whatever the reason was you saved for in the first place. If that's retirement, if that's a house, that's when you take the money out of the market at advantageous times and start putting it into something safer because you're going to spend the money. Guys, this was great. I appreciate it. Uh, any, any last words? Uh, thank you again for your service. Happy Veterans Day. It was Veterans Day when we taped this. Did you guys get to do anything fun? Did you get some free wings at Buffalo Wild Wings? No, I, I'm, I'm working. So it's just like every other day, just like every other day. But uh, real quick, you know, Dan, that was a great interview you did uh, with the workshop for warriors. Was that the, uh, Oh yeah. Uh, Her, it, Hernan Luis E. Prado started. It's our podcast on Tuesday, started a program, literally cashed in everything he owned because he was uh, in the military at the time. And he saw that, that servicemen were, were leaving the service and these are these guys that have been trained. They've shown they can learn how to do things. And there's this mismatch where there's all these unfilled manufacturing jobs, 2.4 million in the next 10 years. And he basically created something that trained them so they could fill those jobs. It is a program that I can't say enough about. I urge you to listen to the podcast. I urge you to donate. It is a really great program. That's Workshops for Warriors. Matt, thank you for bringing it, for, for bringing it up. Matt, Austin, thank you for doing this. We will... Uh, We'll see you on the show next week. Thanks, Dan. Can't wait. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Simon, that was taped at 9.30 last night. You could tell I was a little confused about the day. So dedication. Matt and Austin, you dedication. <laughs> they still have time to get to Buffalo Wild Wings and get their free wings or their free smiley face pancake at IHOP or whatever it might be. But Simon, as we close out, how can people get in touch with us? Well, we're at 7investing on Twitter. Uh, that is the, probably the easiest way. Manisha is at msammy underscore seven, uh, our newest lead advisor who we just announced on the program earlier today. Or if you have specific questions for us, info at 7investing.com. We look forward to seeing what you'd like to talk about. And with that, we're going to close out this very long show. We appreciate you sticking around. Tell your friends, subscribe, join us. This was 7investing now. Enjoy the rest of your day. that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.